Hello, I'm AT. Welcome to the Bulldog Gear podcast, where we aim to open up conversations and create discussions around the practical habits, ethos, and philosophies of the most successful people in our industry. Here, we will endeavor to identify, unpack, and discuss the actions and habits of fiercely successful individuals in and around the fitness space in an attempt to create clear, actionable philosophies for you guys to experiment with and implement on your own journey of self-improvement. Hello and welcome back to the Bulldog Gear Podcast. AT here going solo again. Uh, upon the week of recording this, we are in Mental Health Awareness Week. This is a subject that, as I'm sure it is for many, is extremely close to my heart, but not one I kind of opine on in a public forum very often. The reason for that being that I, I feel like there are more than enough incredible qualified people doing the good work in this area. And there are also a lot of other people kind of adding to the noise. Uh, take that as you will. Um, but yeah, it's something I'm extremely interested in, and uh, I myself am in the in the throes of qualifying as a, a cognitive behavioural therapist. And perhaps once I have something more credible to say, or things more credible and validated to say on the subject, I will add to the the kind of global group chat, as it were. But uh, in the meantime, we released an article on the website this week. You can check that out at the Bulldog Gear blog, looking at four things you can do to improve your mental hygiene. And, and one note I just want to make right up the top here. There's a reason I used the term mental hygiene here. I want to make this really clear. What we're talking about here are things that can take you from a baseline, a baseline of a fair, average, good, just kind of ambient quality of mental health or mental awareness, uh, wellness and take you up. What we're not talking about here and what none of this is intended to do is diagnose, treat or cure any serious mental illness or ill mental health and I just want to say I really do understand the frustrations people can feel um, firsthand when they are in a spell of, of, of being below that baseline, sometimes well below that baseline of, of mental wellness. And the these tips and tricks and hacks, and I really am using those those terms in kind of the most sort of derisive way are offered up and I also completely understand that everybody by and large is doing that with good intentions but understanding ill mental health really is of utmost importance and understanding that offering up any of these kind of tip, tips and tricks as as a solve or as a, as a balm for people who are really struggling can be, and this is something we'll get onto later on, it can be frustrating at best and it can be debilitating. It can actually really compound on any problems you're suffering at worst. And, and again, I want to say I'm talking um, from my own experience here. So right up top, before we get into anything else, if you would consider yourself to be in that, that latter category, 
someone for whom the idea of you know going for a brisk walk or any of the other any of the other things we know are great for our mental hygiene that we're going to get into today if you know those things are going to be woefully ineffective in the situation you're in now please do seek out a qualified pair of ears please do open up and this is something we will get onto later on but please do seek out a qualified kind pair of ears and talk to them with that being said as i said we're looking at tips and tricks here that are going to essentially take you from that baseline that ambient level of uh, of good to kind of serviceable mental wellness and that can add to that again not intended to diagnose treat or cure anything more than that so apologies for the down note but this is something i do really feel strongly about and it's something that i just wanted to begin with from there let's just jump straight in now i'm going to presume that you're all exercising that you're all exercising regularly and that you've all seen the myriad of benefits positive benefits associated with exercising and your mental health now i think there's a further conversation to be had kind of highlighting the difference between exercise movement and training and how those two are not made equally when it comes to how they uh, impact your mental health and I, I'm sure a few of you are not along already as you can understand and have experienced that there is definitely a marked difference between simply exercising and training and how that can affect your your mental health and there's evidence to back this as well but as I say I'm in the throes of getting some you know official paperwork behind me and then we'll look at kind of sharing that research and what our takeaways from that research can be but in the meantime exercise fantastic in terms of taking your 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 mental hygiene from baseline and, and upwards you can't beat exercise so i'm going to presume that you're already exercising in somewhere or another and we're going to take that as a given and we're going to go straight into the first tip and these are all kind of science-backed research-based tips that can raise this ambient level of mental wellness and i would consider these things as i said in the article to be brushing and flossing these are everyday habits that will lead to good mental hygiene that will keep you ticking along and uh, keep everything you know aside from as we mentioned at the beginning the disclaimer should keep your mental hygiene squeaky clean so first and foremost wake up at the same time every single morning getting enough sleep is up there with exercise in terms of the low-hanging fruit of making yourself feel better not just obviously physically but mentally and i'm going to assume that you you've heard enough people in the past sort of uh proselytizing the the benefits of getting that seven to eight hours sleep every single night and i do fully understand um and you've heard me talk about this before how frustrating it can be when you're in a position where actually getting seven to eight hours sleep every single night isn't a possibility and that you know very realistic for a lot of us i'm talking about shift workers i'm talking about people uh working multiple jobs i'm talking about people who have a super long commute or travel all over the country and of course i'm talking about parents here getting those seven to eight hours of uninterrupted sleep 
can be difficult and consistently being told that it's the most important thing for you to do can be very frustrating and ironically can lead to sleepless nights as you kind of lay there worrying about the fact you're not going to get enough sleep and I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that but something we can do or something we should we should endeavor to do where possible is getting is waking up at the same time every morning and now this isn't a kind of argument for uh you know robin sharma 5 a.m club jocko willink 4 30 wake up although you know if that's the time you choose to get up at the same time every single day so be it no this is simply a kind of call to ensure that you're getting up at more or less the same time every single morning and moreover including weekends and i think that's the most important thing here and that this is the the kind of crux of this on the surface it creates a basic level of consistency and kind of control and uh kind of just knowing where you're at every single day you're never kind of waking up like yeah what time is it oh god you know how am i now going to fit in what i've got to do and this can be a powerful tool for reducing feelings of anxiety that feeling of a regimented consistency on top of this physiologically Waking up at the same time every single day helps to align your circadian rhythm. Your circadian rhythm is kind of the, the internal clock of your body. And it, it's, it's in basically every single cell of your body. And having uh, being in alignment with this circadian rhythm has, there's stacks of data to show huge positive health outcomes. And we, as best we can, we want to be aligned with this. And if we if we think of kind of the, the, the poor health outcomes that we associate with lack of sleep and, you know, with shift work and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of these things are not just down to physically not getting enough sleep, but they're down to being out of line with that circadian rhythm. So by getting up at the same time every morning, that's going to be a big rock you know that's going to be a heavy hitter in terms of getting into that groove getting aligned with that circadian rhythm moreover if you are a problem if you are a person sorry that doesn't have problems with um, getting to getting into bed or you know being able to wind down at a fairly nominal time so you're someone for whom you could get seven to eight hours sleep it's just you struggle to sleep or whatever it may be you stay awake at night by consistently getting up at the same time every morning and creating that groove and creating that habit you will find that has a huge or you could find that that has a huge um, positive impact on your ability to get down for a good time every night as we kind of create and work with that circadian rhythm of the body that's pretty basic stuff, but if we dig a little bit deeper, we'll come into contact with the concept of social jet lag. Now, I'm sure we're all familiar with this idea of getting up early for work, Monday to Friday, and then kind of saying, you know what, I'm going to catch up with some sleep on the weekend. This is kind of folly in a way in that when we create a sleep debt by not sleeping enough, we can't just make up for this by sleeping for longer Saturday or Sunday or on a bank holiday or whatever it is. That's kind of not how sleep debt works. You can't, it's not like a calorie deficit. It's not like your bank balance. You can't average that out over the week. Once that sleep's gone, once you've had that sleep this night, it's done and dusted, which is bad in a way, but it's good in a way because it means just move on and you know carry on, take the next best step, get a good night's sleep the next night. Don't try and average it out. What happens though when we try and average it out 
or what can happen is, you know, we, we sleep in on Saturday or Sunday and we all have this idea of, oh, you know, I, I slept into X o'clock, so my body must have needed it. But we're not actually replenishing that, um, you know, the, the sleep we've missed over the course of the week. Even if we get 10, 12, 14 hours sleep, we're not putting those hours back retroactively into the nights where we only got five or six. You may feel rested, that you probably would have felt rested if you just got seven or eight. What happens though, and what can happen is you get the, this extra sleep and everything that you intended to do on the weekend or would have liked to do, especially if you're off, you know, that gets pushed back further into the day. And you know, if, you're, if you like this, then so be it, it's absolutely fine. This is just tips and tricks. That gets pushed back further into the day and then you know, you're know you doing it on Sunday or now you have to catch up with it in a week. And this is where this idea of social jet lag comes because you're constantly trying to play catch up. If that then knocks on into the rest of your week and that then causes you to lose further sleep as you're trying to pack everything in, you know, we're all increasingly busy, then we're in this state of kind of being jet lagged. And now we're not just trying to catch up on our sleep, but we're also trying to catch up on the things we didn't do. So by leaving that alarm set, you know, the same time you would have got up during the week for work, get up at that same time at the weekend and make use of those hours because you know you're not putting those extra hours back into sleep you want to sleep in that's absolutely fine but those are all the benefits as far as i'm concerned or as far as the research the research shows of getting up at the same time whether it's saturday sunday or wednesday so as best you can keep that alarm set number two is breath work um as I said in the article, if you provide yourself on the sort of calibration of your bullshit detector and you've already filed breath work under the kind of hippies with justics category, uh, I'd appreciate it if you suspend your disbelief and stick with me for a minute. There's a growing, growing kind of mounting of data going into breath work. And I use the word breath work here simply because I think it's easier for a lot of people to pass versus saying mindfulness and versus saying meditation. Meditation obviously um, comes with a great degree of uh, spiritual baggage, which is difficult for some people to get through. Mindfulness for some people uh, falls so heavily into the kind of, um, you know, modern day wellness camp that that too can be difficult for people to process so if you're if you're someone that's already bought into this i do like the use of the language breath work and i have found you know with people i work with and and with social media and media at large that just by using the term breath work we're able to kind of get through a lot of that uh, resistance people are going to feel and you know i'm someone who's had a meditation practice an insight meditation practice for many many years i just i just don't really actively talk about it um, and perhaps that's something that I should change. But just by using the term breathwork, I feel like you get a lot more people on board, especially people uh, in or adjacent to the fitness industry, because it's, I don't know, it's got this idea that it's going to carry some sort of fitness benefits with it. And it undoubtedly does across the board. So a mindfulness practice, and that can be as simple as focusing on your breathing, has been shown in multiple studies to lower the activity of the default mode network. That's the part of your brain that's most heavily associated with rumination, with overthinking, and that sense of self that leads to feelings of anxiety and low moods. 
When we slow down this default mode network, not only can we generate feelings of calm and composure in the short term, but through a sort of mental decluttering, you free up your mind for clearer thinking, better decision making and optimized problem solving in the long run. I don't want to go too hard in the paint here, as I said, because I don't want to put anybody off. But a dedicated meditation practice is a fruit that's more than worth the squeeze. And it's a lifelong project that can lead to remarkable outcomes by all measures or beyond all measures. As anyone who is kind of uh, into the consciousness insight game can attest to. But to keep it actionable, take some time every day just to get out of your head and into your body as woo-woo as that sounds, bear with me, it's not, by simply following the sensations of breathing. From the beginning of each inhale, right through to the end of each exhale, just observe what you feel and where you feel it, and then just let it go and move into the, the next breath. So I'm not, I'm not talking about sitting here thinking about, okay, I'm going to do my breathwork practice here. Just gently lower or, you know, kind of zoom in your attention onto the feelings of your breath and it doesn't have to be your breath it can be other sensations in your body but just taking some time to check in with your body and check out of your mind tremendous physiological benefits backed by a ton of science that are going to make you feel instantly calm in the short term which isn't really the, the aim of a meditation practice but it's certainly a more than welcome side effect but it's also, as I say, it's going to lower activity in that default mode network, which is going to bring your state down to one that's much more calm, much more actionable. And in the long run, we're kind of training ourselves to be more mindful. If we can kind of remember at some points throughout the day to get back in touch uh, with our body again, not in a woo woo way. I mean, literally stop for a minute, realize you've been lost in thought, uh, falling down that kind of never ending well of, um, of thoughts that's in your brain and reconnect with your body as it is in a moment that will shift you down a few gears and can go a long way to combating the feelings of kind of anxiety so take a few seconds just to connect with your body on a, on a just to give you some sort of cliff notes for a scientifically backed way to shift yourself into that karma state as a good rule of thumb when we want to calm ourselves when we want to lower that state we want to think about making our exhales longer than our inhales i won't go into the science of that here because i've got a few guests lined up who are going to do hopefully you know some uh do this much more justice than i could now but essentially if we want to lower our state, we want to think about getting that exhale longer than the inhale. And that really is the simplest way to think about it. So a deep and purposeful inhale through the nose, hold for a split second, and then just slowly, but with control, let that exhale out nice and controlled. And a few of those, just noting what you feel. Where do you feel it? Do you feel the sensations in the tip of your nose or do you feel them in your belly, in your abdomen? Wherever you feel it, just pay attention to those feelings, as I say, from the inhale right through that long exhale. Just feeling what we feel, where we feel it, and making soft mental notes about what we feel. See if you can stay fully present in that fashion for 10 breaths. 
without losing track and without kind of realizing that you've been lost in thought. If you do get lost in thought, just come back to the last number you remember. You would be surprised at how difficult that is, especially for people who have no meditation practice um, to begin with, how difficult it is to even stay with more than a, a few breaths before you realize I'm completely lost in thought. I've forgotten what I'm doing here. I'm sitting here with my eyes closed. What's going on? Uh, why can't I count to three? So a few times each day, just attempt to do that. And I, I will be providing some more clear, crisp, actionable tools to help you do that in the very near future. So stand by for that. This is something we're going to talk about a lot more because I feel like it's time. Number three, brisk walks. Now I know, I know we said we're looking at tips here that aren't exercise. Um, but I'm going to lawyer this one a little bit and say that walking whilst, you know, it does fall under the remit of exercise, uh, maybe only just. The reason I want to bring it up, though, is as we were just talking about the default mode network, that, that area in your brain that's responsible for rumination and overthinking, another way we can decrease activity in the default network is walking. Just going for long walks is heavily associated, and we've, we've spoken about this on previous podcasts and previous articles on the website, going for long walks outside uh, where possible, um, and obviously outside in nature is going to be uh, more, you know, more beneficial here, but if that's not accessible to you, then just being outside and just walking still conveys a many if not most of the benefits i'll get into that in a second but just going out for a walk outside daily walks have been shown to lower the kind of light show that appears in the default mode network uh, in fmri scans but with that being said your your default mode network your dmn is not all bad it's essential for the cognitive tasks that kind of make us human your higher brain functions um, your planning scheduling multitasking working memory and the good news is that whilst brief walks slow the dnm down in the short term in the long term they actually help to strengthen its connectivity and stave off the decline of those functions um, that we just spoke about scheduling multitasking etc that are commonly associated with aging so whilst in the short term you're going to lower that rumination and it's been um, well documented that you're going to you're going to lower those uh, those feelings of anxiety etc etc that are associated with the default mode network in the long run you're strengthening the connection so you're kind of switching it off in the short run or slowing it down in the short run but you're strengthening what it can actually do so it, the way i kind of uh, the way i kind of present this is imagine you are um you know going for a long walk is kind of like taking your default mode network uh to the you know to the mechanics for the time it's in there it, it's not getting any mileage it's safe and sound it's you know it's staying there rust free but it's just having a quick service so that when you do need to use it again it's running rickety tick the other thing that's great about walking outside and as i mentioned before this is kind of where it's irrelevant whether you're in nature or whether you know you're in a city is walking generates what's called optic flow and optic flow is just well you know it's pretty simple what it is it's movement past your eyes movement past your eyes so self-generated um 
a propulsion, so just, you know, literally just walking. If you think about your walking, you're focusing on one area that you're walking towards and the background or the, the landscape in your peripheral vision is just going past you. It's just going past you out of the corner of your eyes and you have that sense of moving forward. That sense of moving forward, that what's known as optic flow, your brain notes this and it notes that the landscape is moving backwards. It's moving away from you and you're moving forward. And there's a there's a heavy correlation between that and the lowering of the activities of the areas of your brain that are associated with anxiety. And why that seems to be happening is that this act of moving forward, if you are experiencing, you know, again, I'm talking about mild anxiety here. I'm feeling like, you know, I'm feeling a bit stressed out today. I'm not talking about poor mental health. Um, that act of moving forward kind of in in some ways is uh, and to kind of put this in in layman's terms as best i can uh is signaling to your body that you're moving away from that threat if that makes sense if you can imagine that you're moving forward in space you're generating this optic flow your, your brain can detect that the landscape is moving away from you quickly and that signals to your brain oh we're moving away from whatever that threat is that we're feeling anxious about which can actually lower feelings of um lower feelings of anxiety there's also some good physical benefits too of going for a brisk walk every day which we may or may not have mentioned before but um that's more than the scope of this podcast but i'm sure you don't need to be an exercise scientist to realize that going for a nice brisk walk every single day probably has some positive health outcomes for you physically too okay number four take notes one of outside of get enough sleep and make sure you're exercising one of the most kind of popular and rightly so kind of mantras or calls to action around around the subject of mental health is talk about it talk more reach out talk to people talk to your mates and i can't stress this enough that's 100 percent correct as i said right from the outset please do talk about what's in your mind Please do, if you need to, seek out a compassionate and qualified set of ears to, um, you know, listen to you. Getting your inner thoughts out and sounding them off of a caring, compassionate listener can be powerfully cathartic and it can help you to properly articulate and rationalize any problems you may be facing. But if you feel as though it's not really an option for you at this point, that then hearing constant admonitions to talk more can feel incredibly frustrating and may even kind of further dim the lights of your mental landscape. As I said earlier about if you're the type of person who can't get enough sleep, you can't get enough sleep just because of the logistics of your life, then people telling you all the time, yeah, you need to sleep more, that can be incredibly frustrating. And it is the same here. If you feel as though you're in a position where you don't have someone to talk to, if or that, you know, talking to people or opening up about anything you're feeling may have consequences. If you if those are the feelings you have, please know that you are not alone. Many, many people feel as though they don't have a proper support network or people with whom it's applicable to discuss, discuss private matters without consequence. And I would advise everyone to seek out external impartial help where possible. But I do know that this, I know, and I believe me, I know this from first hand experience. I do know that that in itself can sometimes prove difficult. Getting that help, finding 
a professional to talk to and better resources must become available. And so I'm just putting this out there for anyone who's been in that same position where you, you feel as though you don't have access to that pair of ears. And that please know that there are always people out there willing to listen. But I also know, truly do know what it feels like to feel like there isn't or feel like you don't have access to this resources. And particularly if you're below that threshold of kind of a regular level of ambient wellness, that really can compound and it really can feel like there's no one there to listen. So this is by no means a cure-all. This is simply a useful tool. If you do feel as though in, you are in that position and that is to simply write down the things you would like to express outwardly if you had someone to express them to. And I know that might sound a little bit woo-woo and I'm, I'm hesitating to use the word journaling here because again, it's just one of those catch-all like, make sure you're journaling, make sure you get enough sleep, have some chamomile tea, which is all fantastic. They are all fantastic research, science-backed tips, but I do understand sometimes they you know they really can feel like bringing an you know bringing a knife to a gunfight for want of a better word but please hear me out or if you are at that baseline level and you're just looking for these things to kind of improve and take your level of mental wellness upwards this is this is a great tip for you by writing things down by unpacking those kind of nebulous thoughts and feelings and articulating them into a language that you can actually understand i.e english i would imagine for most of us um, and can better process that can be profoundly helpful thoughts and feelings in your head by and large are not in English we don't think in full complete sentences because you know that would really slow our day down it's it's a good feature of our brains that we don't think in full complete sentences but that can sometimes leave us kind of not really properly articulating to ourselves what we're thinking or what we're feeling. So by writing them th these things out, we're kind of forcing ourselves to sh straighten out our thoughts into something that we can better understand. And I know that sounds odd, but it is a powerful tool. You're not obliged to show anyone these words and you can throw away your scribbles or delete any documents as soon as you're done. But just the act alone may be enough to begin kind of turning the lights up or, you know, from personal experience, you write certain things down and you go, oh, like, okay, that's not as bad as I thought or that's not actually what I thought at all. Or if I just, you know, I found a way to easily rectify this this situation that I hadn't seen before because, you know, I wasn't thinking out loud. I wasn't thinking those complete sentences. One thing I think is especially important is to highlight any positive experiences you've had throughout the day and week. When we go deliberately searching for enjoyable experiences to jot down, we actually begin rewiring our brains to recognize them as they arise in real time, which can help to add to the quality of your mood. And what I mean by that is there's an expression I love which is if you go digging for dirt, you're going to find it. And if you go looking for something upsetting, you will find it. You'll find something to get upset about. And that kind of becomes the default, um, you know, the default pattern of action for our brains then. Whereas if you start trying to look for, and again, I'm talking about people who are at a baseline level of mental wellness, start looking for, what what went well today what were some good things that cropped up what were some good conversations i had you know what were some lucky things that happened and it can it can be anything it can be like oh well, you know i went into tesco to buy something and uh 
the exact thing I wanted was reduced. And I know it's a really silly thing, but you do that, you write it down and you begin training your brain to then seek out these things that are pretty good. And you can stabilize that, you can stabilize that um, kind of condition in your everyday life if you train yourself to do it. So many of us are trained to find the negative and, you know, that's, that is a, a kind of danger avoiding feature of our brains. Clearly, it's more important to us on a physiological level, walking through the jungle to be looking out for tigers than it is to be staring at the flowers, right? From a, from a preservation, from a, a Darwinian selection point of view, I can completely see why that pattern recognition software um, is running the most tabs as such but we're not in the jungle and we're not with the tigers so if we can reprogram ourselves to just be more conscious of the flowers and less conscious of the tigers because they're no longer tigers that's a better frame of mind to be to be walking around them i've avoided using the term gratitude journaling because i know a lot of you are gonna cringe at that and it might be a little bit off brand for you but you don't have to tell anyone you know, you don't have to talk about it. It can be something that's private to you and you don't even have to write it down. Although I would, as I say, we don't think in complete sentences. So I would do that just to articulate them. And there, there are some neurological benefits of actually writing with a pen and a paper. The, the, the kind of circuitry that engages in our brain can be more helpful in this regard. But literally writing down the things, a couple of things that have happened good today, a couple of things that you would like to do better tomorrow training yourself to notice these things at the end of the day is as i said it's a condition that you'll stabilize for the rest of the day for the rest of your life hopefully as you as you train for long enough and it will bring you into the state where you are better geared towards recognizing positive things as they happen which it just adds to the quality of your life and the the quality of each and every day which you know that is the quality of your life thank you very much for listening this far you know that's just some really simple things that you can implement bit of breath work going for a walk each day and none of these things have to take up much of your time and they're all things you can pretty much box all of this off in 30 minutes throughout your day i'd advise you to take longer on each if you would like to but we're talking about a 10 minute walk we're talking about 10 minutes of meditation we're talking about 10 minutes to kind of write down our thoughts at the end of the day and we're talking about waking up at the same time every day, which for a lot of you might actually give you most of this time back. If you are listening and you're thinking, I've heard all of this before, yes, you may have, but how much of it have you actually put into action and how much of it is you actually put into action consistently? Just as you'd be tempted to try any tip, trick or adjustment to increase your deadlift and make your runs feel easier, consider these similar tools for your mind to be experimented with and impartially judged through experience. Like I say, you don't have to talk about it. You don't have to completely upheave your identity and become a sort of, you know, wellness influencer or start, you know, lighting incense and wearing beads. You are under no kind of pressure to do any of that whatsoever. But you take your mind with you everywhere you go. As a matter of experience for you, you only have experience the only thing that you truly know is real without any proof is your consciousness so any steps we can take as i say to brush that floss that 
take a good look at them and rinse and mouthwash around that the, the kind of teeth of your mind it can only be a good thing i hope something in here was helpful for you and as i said multiple times throughout if you feel like you are below that baseline if you feel like you're not looking for the you know the tips and tricks to get you from zero to five but you're at minus five and you just want to get back to zero please put everything into play that you can you know all of this stuff we, we've spoken about but do get online do try and find the resources that are there to help and i know how difficult it can be i know firsthand how difficult it can be but there are people out there with open ears open mind and an open heart so get out there and find them have a good one and there we have it thank you for listening in guys if you enjoyed today's episode it would be greatly appreciated if you could drop us a review on your podcast app of choice any feedback you've got please send it over via social media and don't hesitate to tell us what you would like to hear more of i'm at this has been the bulldog gear podcast thanks for tuning in guys